0: issue for all women.
1: Hello and welcome to Sunday Chops. It's Hannah sitting under my usual blanket. This week you might have heard on the podcast that Jen and I spoke to our Yosra Osman about her films of the year. You might have thought, what? They only gave her three? Uh, In fact we didn't. We gave her loads more time to talk about it and therefore here is the entire conversation that we had in Chops form. If you didn't listen to it, It doesn't matter, you're still welcome to listen to this. Um, We're talking about some of the best films of the year, which might include some of your favourites, if you like things like Moonlight and Get Out and Monkeys on Horses. Maybe just me. And if you are interested in my thoughts, there will be another best of the year coming up soon, which is me talking about television. And there'll be one from the brilliant Liz Buckley talking about her albums of the year. I know, we're spoiling you. Anyway, that's enough from me. Enough waffle. Speak soon. And thanks for listening. Hi, we're here today with our film reviewer extraordinaire, Josra Osman. Hello. And by we, I mean Jen and I. Hello. Also people who see things in the cinema. And we're here so Josra can tell us what the best things she's seen at the cinema this year. What have we missed, Josra?
0: Well, I'm not sure you have missed all of them, but I am going to talk about some of the films. And and they're not necessarily the best films, I think, of the year. They're ones that really struck me, and I think everyone should see them because...
1: We're very much in agreement that the word best doesn't really mean anything. It's entirely subjective,
0: so yeah. Yeah, this is very subjective. And I might throw in a couple there that you'll think, what is she going on about? But I'm just going to go with it anyway. I'm going to start off with one that I actually forgot came out this year, and I always see it as a 2016 film. But it's basically remained, even though it came out in January, it's remained in my top three up to now. And that is, of course, Moonlight, (gasps) which was just breathtakingly beautiful um Mm, and everybody knows about it because of that whole fiasco with the oscars where it was mistakenly announced that lala landed one but it wasn't it was moonlight but i hope people actually did go and see it after that um because in my opinion it's one of the best films i've seen this decade let alone this year barry jenkins is the director and i remember when i saw it in the cinema i was with a couple of my really good friends and I came out and I just said that was like a piece of art. Like it was just so beautiful, it really spoke to me in just terms of the levels of artistry there, but also it really kind of punched me in the gut with the oh. feeling of, of emotion that I... have all yeah. the
2: feels,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, it was basically. all of
2: the feels.
1: I saw it on an aeroplane, which is never the best way no. to watch a film. And obviously immediately when I got back to this country, I then... Went and watched it, not on an aeroplane, because I thought there'll be bits cut out of it. Mm. And also, it's a tiny screen. But even so, sitting on an aeroplane watching it, I was almost like Bjork with my hands pushed up against my face. Mm. Of, this is just so lovely. Mm.
0: And it's the sort of film I think you see it and then you think about it afterwards. It's like, which you know, it's always made a good impression. When you come out the cinema and you're still thinking about it the next day, mm. like a week later. And I just, every bit of it, I was. Just so emotionally invested in, mm. and great performances from the entire cast, um, not just um, Maheshala Ali, who obviously won the Oscar for it, and he was obviously great, um, even in his limited screen time. I think he was only on the screen for about ten minutes. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. that long, like that? was it? Well, he, he he's,
2: it was all over with him pretty quickly. But...
0: Yeah, but the the three spoiler
2: alert, sorry. Uh... <laughs>
0: The three actors that play the main character at different stages of his life, also absolutely brilliant. And I think to take a structure like that, to tell his tale in these three sort of segments and keep you involved in each one and keep you engaged throughout is actually quite a tricky thing to do. And it's not always the kind of best structure to use in films. And I think he did it, that Jenkins did it really, really well. I've still got mad love for Moonlight. Yeah. And it's good to see
1: a film... About a gay man being embraced by Hollywood, particularly since
2: gay black man. Do you know what? My favorite this is a spoiler Sorry. alert in case anyone has it, but like my favorite bit in the whole film is when little Chiron is talking to, and I can't remember the character's name played by um Ali. Yes. Yeah well done for saving me there because I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> the bit where he is with him and he says that other kids at school call him a faggot mm. and he's like, you know, am I, you know, whatever. The reaction you expect from this dude and the reaction you get from this dude, I was, like, literally weeping. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so, yeah. just really, like, well done. Naomi Harris was amazing as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, almost unrecognisable, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. She she was absolutely brilliant. The entire, I mean, Janelle Monáe's in it, and yeah. anything with Janelle Monáe involved, I will always support because I think she is fabulous and I love her. Um, she but, was really
1: good in, I don't know, if, are you going to go on to mention Hidden Figures?
0: Oh, that's another one. But no, I wasn't, but I did love Hidden yeah, Figures she as well. Yeah, she was really great in Hidden yeah. Figures, really great. She's, she's brilliant. Everybody involved in that film, I just want to hug. I'm not sure if it's my number one. But it's in my top three now and I just think if you haven't seen it, go and see it. What are you
1: fucking playing?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: What else is on your list?
0: second film I think I'm going to mention, again, came out more towards the beginning of the year but was such good fun, Um, Get Out by Jordan Peele with Daniel Kaluuya in. Um, It's kind of a horror, it's a horror film but it's also a bit of a comedy and there's a lot of controversy about it being nominated in the comedy comedy section at the golden globes but we won't talk about that anyway this is also in my top 10 i think because i'm not usually a fan of horror and i went to see this and i just loved it i just found it such a thrilling experience and yet there was so much important subject matter yeah. behind it as well um have you seen it jen i have not no, no. I'd, I'd really recommend it it's the sort of it's, it's I think it's one of those films that you should really see it in the cinema because it's kind of like an experience to go into i mean you can watch it at home because it's not in the cinemas anymore, but it I think I felt lucky being able to see it in the cinema because it was just like. I was with people I get on really well with, and we were laughing, we were jumping, and and afterwards, you know, we talked about it for hours and hours on end because I just thought it there was so much behind it that was so clever.
1: I mean, it was a bit of a sleeper hit, wasn't it? It sort of it came out of nowhere. And my brother rang me and said, "I have seen a great film. You need to watch this film." I thought I thought it was terrific.
0: Yeah, and um, again, great performances, and I think it, it what it what it does really well is it works on the sort of entertaining horror slash comedy level but it's also it's also just as important as a piece of social commentary especially in the US at this time um with everything that's going on over there it just came out at the right time I think I I think any other time it would still have been a really good film to go and see but with everything going on it just seems particularly important to go and see it so I love that one
1: yeah also has Stephen Root in it which Makes any film at least 25% better. Yeah.
0: Take (laughs) take that on board. Okay, so I mentioned two. So another one, which I'm not sure many people will have seen, but it's a British film. Um, It's called God's Own Country. I don't know if either of you two Ooh, have
1: seen I do know that one. actually that you suggested it on the list of things to watch in the summer and I've singly failed to take your advice.
0: No is. problem. I will talk about it now, and I'm sure it will be on one of the various streaming services at some point. It's a film by a guy called Francis Lee. I don't know how many films he's done in the past, but I was lucky to go to a QA with him and the two lead actors. And it's it's a film, it's set in Yorkshire. It's about um, a young man who, he's a farmer, his dad is getting iller and iller by the second and, you know, he's having to take up most of the duty so they decide to bring in a, a Romanian immigrant to come and help on the farm. And uh, what happens is it, it kind of becomes a bit of a love story between the, the, the young farmer who's on the fo- on the farm anyway and this Romanian that comes along. Um, to help out, and it was just really beautifully done. It was such an intimate but exquisite portrait of, of a, a romance, and it doesn't even matter that it was a gay romance. That wasn't what I was thinking when I was watching it. I didn't, you know, didn't care. It was just as a as a as a as an intimate portrait. It was beautifully done. It's really well filmed. Um, you have got some really nice views of sort of the Yorkshire Moors, and it was one that again just kind of left me a bit breathless when I came out of the cinema. Um, and and it just I feel like I have to mention that one because I feel like not a lot of people will have seen it, and I feel like lots of people do need to see it because it was beautiful. And you know, supporting British filmmakers as always. So, yeah. Another film um, that's come out recently, the Florida Project.
2: Oh, I've heard of this, and it looks really good, but I missed it at the film festival. Oh,
0: it's brilliant. It's Willem Dafoe, right? Yeah, Willem yeah. Dafoe's in it. And have you seen it, Hannah? I haven't. No. Oh, it, it is. I
1: do like a bit of. One.
0: Is it is it William Dafoe in his
1: newfound joy for comedy, or is it William Dafoe in his old style? Bit of both, oh, actually. That is he's quite
0: dramatic. You know, he he's got some serious dramatic chops in it. But um, there are bits where you just laugh out loud, and he contributes to that. So the Florida Project, Its the director is Sean Baker. He did a film called Tangerine a couple of years ago.
2: I remember that from the film festival in 2015 and I think that did really, was really well received is, is at the that, time, wasn't it? Was that, was
0: it? that about transgender? So tran- mm. Yeah, these yeah. transgender characters in LA yeah. Yeah. over Christmas. And actually, that's something, we're always talking about Christmas films at the moment, and that's a Christmas film that no one ever mentions. <laughs> Tangerine, which actually famously was all filmed on an iPhone, believe yes, it or not. Yes, that's it, yeah. I remember um, this now. And you watch it and you think, oh, is that really filmed on an iPhone? It's um, like the
2: first one, isn't it, I think, I to think have been so. filmed like solely on an iPhone. Yeah. It's got yeah. Ziggy Sabotka in it, isn't it? Oh. it? Yeah, apparently so. Mm. You're obsessed with him. Uh, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anna loves all the sabbathas are brilliant. the loves
0: I And I, I did love Tangerine. So I think I saw Florida Project at the Cambridge Film Festival and it was my must-see. And I was really praying that I wasn't going to be let down by it. And oh my goodness, I was not at all. I absolutely loved it. It is another film this year that just like, punched me in the gut with emotion and just made me feel happy but sad it's about um the central figure in the film is this young girl called Mooney. i think she's six years old and i have to say that is one of the 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 actress that plays that's one of the best child performances i think i've ever ever seen like absolutely amazing and she is in florida she lives with her mother and they live in these motels basically just on the outskirts of, of disney world in Florida. So you've got this kind of fabulous wealth of people going and spending all their money mm. in in Disney World and these massive hotels and golf courses and all these wonderful fabulous things and then you've got where Mooney lives which are these these kind of motels where her and uh, her and her mother and families like them have been housed and and they are kind of living in poverty basically and and that's not necessarily what it's about. I mean that's the backdrop to it, but what it is about is it's about her and her mother, and how they're living in there, the, the love between them, and the, the desperate lengths that her mother goes to to look after her daughter and keep her, keep them together. Um, and they are quite desperate lengths. And there are moments in the film that really kind of make you gasp because there are quite, quite dark things going on. But as a as a humanist tale, it's just, it's absolutely. Beautiful and can't recommend it enough. I think it might have just left the cinemas, but it—if—if if you can see it again, I'd highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, it looked like a really good one. I did. I had intended.
0: It is, and it's not the sort. And you know, I've, I've said that there are dark. There's there's a bit of dark content in there, but it's so funny as well. Like mm. you will just spend a lot of the film laughing, and the kids are absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, go and see that one. It's quite interesting
2: actually, because in the US, and I don't think, I don't think this is that well known here, but quite a lot of people do live in motels in the US. It's quite a weird yeah. setup. Yeah, I when I, <laughs> I like to talk about this a lot, as you know, yeah. Hannah, when I cycled across America. Uh, yeah, a lot of people actually live in those, like in like proper proper skanky motels because it's much cheaper to live in a motel weirdly you wouldn't think it would be yeah. like but it's mm. much cheaper to live in a motel than it is to rent somewhere and you don't need like a security deposit and things like that so that's quite interesting mm.
0: yeah. and the motels that they're in they're these big colorful like one of them's painted purple one of them's bright blue and they're made to look a little bit like they are from the theme parks and that's quite interesting and Willem Dafoe's character he's like the proprietor of one of the motels the one that Mooney who's the, the central figure and her her mother live in and then there's a part where this I think they're Brazilian couple arrive at the motel thinking they're staying at the Magic Kingdom in Disney World and then they end up in this motel and it's all a bit it, go, it goes a bit uh, a bit crazy but um it's just a really fascinating fascinating film to watch and I think Sean Baker said he he spent a month it living in ho- in motels like that, you know, to experience it for himself. And I think he's got the the balance just right. And, and at no point does it feel exploitative or anything like that. It just feels like a really good portrait of of this girl and her mother and how they're how they're living. um So yeah, I've, I've talked about that one enough, I think. But it's brilliant. I want to go and see that.
1: Mm, yep. Yeah.
0: Um, I will say, I <laughs> went with a couple of people, one of which absolutely loved it, like me. The other person absolutely hated it. So perhaps it's not for everyone. But I think if you like it, you really you like know,
1: it. You know, I go I mostly go to the cinema by myself to prevent that, to prevent <laughs> the idea that this person next to me is twitching. I think you might as well just not be here if you're not enjoying <laughs> it. I just come to the cinema by myself.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of going to the cinema by myself sometimes. what yeah. well, You don't talk yeah, anyway. You know. so, I think it's like, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes if you've
1: seen something terrific... You know, you're yeah. then like, oh man, but no one to talk to, and yeah. then you have to hassle someone to go and see it, so you can say, "What did you think of that bit?" When, yeah, but uh, yeah. but thankfully, that's what the internet's for now, isn't it? Really, mm. oh you just, yeah. You just put that on Twitter now, and you'll and get people many tell responses. you you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> what else have you got on your list? Yours one.
0: So another one I saw at Cambridge Film Festival, very different to the Florida Project, is Killing a Sacred Deer.
2: I've heard of this as well and didn't see it.
0: It's by. um your goss the It's the
2: guy that won the all of the stuff in like 2015, isn't it? The um Star? the lobster, that's yeah. it. Ah, okay. Okay, it's Colin, not the one I was thinking of, but yeah, the yeah. lobster, yeah.
0: Yeah, he did the Lobster and um, with Colin Farrell and Colin Farrell's back in this playing a heart surgeon um and uh, Nicole Kidman's also in it as well. Um and that kid from Dunkirk, can't remember the actor's name. Anyway, but he's he, he passed, Harry Styles. That's what no. I was going to say. <laughs> Funny how that's the one I can remember from Dunkirk. But this kid who is brilliant, uh, he's not a kid, sorry. Um, He can't remember his name. Anyway, he's great. Um,
1: we love you, unknown actor. Yeah,
0: I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. The King of Sacred Deer is the sort of film that it's a little bit creepy. It has a kind of dramatic climax that might leave people a bit um, disturbed. But I just thought it was it, it was really well done. Is it um, funny? It has funny moments, yeah. So
2: sort of a bit like The Lobster, which is kind of like dark again has an ending that is a bit like um but that's a technical of, term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <they're
0: laughs> very it technical. It so well. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah it is a little bit I think it's darker than the lobster actually because a couple of people I know went to see it and they said the lobster's a bit like a soft cuddle in comparison to the killing of a sacred deer um I think it just I mean there's it it tries to come across a bit like a psychological thriller it's not really that It, it it's just a kind of It's a drama that gets quite disturbing as it moves along. And and Colin Farrell basically plays a heart surgeon um, who has this interesting relationship with this teenager who he takes out to lunch. He buys gifts for... This is making it sound a lot pervier than it is. It's not like that, basically. um, It's not creepy in that particular way. Not in that sense, no. Um, But anyway, we find out that, that... That something in relation to Colin, the fact that Colin Farrell is a heart surgeon, connects him to this this teenager, and it's a revenge story essentially, um, Mm. which affects all of Colin Farrell's family. Um, It's based on a Greek tragedy, I think. I can't remember which one, but it is very tragic in its nature. Despite that, though, even though it is really tragic and dark, I came out of it, and I was buzzing like i was on a high i i think just because i thought it was such a good film that everybody that i was with was kind of like why are you so excitable when we've just been to see that film because it's so dark and tragic Mm. but i just thought it was brilliant and and the performances are great they kind of talk in this deadpan emotionless way like all of them which is kind of humorous there's a bit where colin farrell's talking about his chest hair it's just, just it's just brilliant, so...
1: I have a question about, about sort of, it's been a slight evolution of film this mm. year, in as much as big film this year, early in the year, Manchester by the Sea, mm. took some Oscars, produced by Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Octa, big film, caused a big fuss at the, I believe the Venice Film Festival was booed, because it wasn't getting a cinema release, but yet it was still being called a film. Because it's right. produced by Netflix. Yes. Do you have an opinion either way on what classes as cinema, what should be viewed as cinema, should Amazon and, and is is Amazon and Netflix arrival into the market? Is that a positive thing?
0: I think it is a positive thing. I've talked about this a lot because there are some films which are now and I, I actually will talk about a couple if you don't mind. No, um that, that are Netflix only releases or they were released in limited they were they had limited release in cinemas and they were only around for a week and then Mm. they went on to Netflix. So a couple of those that I feel I have to mention are um, Mudbound, which has just been on Netflix, um, which is directed by um, Dee Rees, who you may or may not have heard of. She's a really, really cool up and coming director. And I I really loved Mudbound. So that, that's one that I think everybody should see. It's on Netflix, so you can watch it on your laptop. You've got no excuse. No. no excuse. And that was a Netflix-only release. And, you know, sometimes I was watching it and thinking, gosh, this would look so good if I was watching it in a cinema because it's an epic... You know, it's, it's beautifully done. It's it's very epic. Um, but... Nobody, when it screens at Sundance, despite its popularity, nobody was picking it up other than Netflix. And mm. if someone's going to pick it up, it may as well be Netflix, yeah. where it's got wide reach anyway, so a lot of people can sit and just watch it in their homes. And I think if you know, not everybody wants to go to the cinema, especially when you're charging twelve, thirteen pounds now for a cinema ticket. You know, you, it, it's. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Netflix, Amazon Prime are 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 showing well, these they're films. Producing things,
2: aren't they? And yeah. and that's good. Like it's good that people are yeah. producing films and it's good that they're accessible to the and most amount of people possible. Yeah. all right, you do get a different experience at the cinema. You do see things differently on the big screen but, but you're making it accessible to a big audience. Yeah. I mean Manchester by the sea, that's mm. that was actually it's quite a small story that mm. that doesn't need to
1: be seen on a big screen. Incidentally I thought it was really good. That said, I watched it. It's a film about grief that I watched about Four weeks after my dad died, Mm. and I thought it did a really good job of creating this idea that when somebody dies, you know, it's not all crying and drama and whatever. You know, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of, like, boring. Like, it's a lot of, what what are we supposed to do now? Mm. Where are we supposed to go? What are we, how, how, you have to start to go back to routine. I thought it did a really good job of showing that sort of thing. I mean, there's an issue with long-term grief in it as well. But I thought it was... It was it was really good, but that's a small thing. Okja, on the other hand, mm. looked like something that should have been seen on a big screen. Yeah, Maybe people have really big tellies at home, though, and it's just that I only have a little telly. Perhaps if you've got some freaking great flat screen strapped to your wall, mm. maybe it is actually the perfect thing to watch at home. I, I don't know. I only have a little Thing. that was a bit mad I couldn't make my mind about oh, it sure. yeah.
0: yeah I was I think I'm kind of the same well, I don't
1: really understand what Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> was what direction he had been given that it ended up <laughs> like that I'm not quite sure what was happening oh
0: uh, yes an interesting one that oh there is another film on Netflix that I, I saw this morning that I would like to recommend as well um, it's called The Fits. Um, I think it did have cinema release but again very limited it's called The Fits. is yeah. it about
1: the Cambridge Museum no <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, it's not um it's it's about, it's about uh a, a young girl who really wants to be part of a dance troupe and she gets into this dance troupe but it's a bit of a mystery because they when when she gets into the dance troupe they all suddenly not all of them but they start having random fits basically they go into these spasms and collapse and nobody can work out what it's come from um but it's it's directed by uh, Anna Rose Holmer and I saw it because everyone was telling me you're going to love this you have to see it, you have to see it, so I did and I have to say it's a really really good one so that's another one for for any Netflix havers.
1: There's a film now that I know that Jen mentioned it to me you've both mentioned the name of a film today and you both seem to have slightly different views on it so I I thought Mm -hmm. I might ask about that which
2: is Film Stars Never Die? Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Yeah. 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 You saw that at the film first? I did see it yeah. And you liked it? Um I don't know if I liked it. Okay, maybe I kind I... of like, um, I thought the performances in it were really strong. I thought that, I thought Jamie Bell was really good in it. I thought Annette Bening was really good in it. But she was quite an unlikable character. And I sort of, I find that difficult if I don't like the characters. Sometimes I'm a bit like, well, I can't, I'm not invested in this. I kind of have to find something redeeming about them. And I didn't find her particularly redeeming. <laughs> oh, well then maybe Yoss was with you because
1: it has got a really good reviews, hasn't it?
0: Yes. You- yeah. Hmm. I'm a bit, I think I agree with you. I was a bit meh on it. Um, I thought it was really slushy and not in Did a good you? way. Yeah. Like just, I didn't uh, find it particularly slushy. Oh, I don't know. I, there were bits where I kind of rolled my eyes and I just thought, oh and, and also I just didn't care that much about their relationship drama. You know, between oh, and I loved Jamie Bell. To be fair, he like I loved the cast actually. Um, between Jamie Bell's character and uh, Annette Benning's character, yeah. when it got to you know the bit where there's troubles ahead in their relationship, mm. I was just uh, that's
1: a, that's quite a hefty age gap there, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's that's I mean that's fine. It's unusual <laughs> it's to see though. Really, I can't think of
1: another film. Maybe apart from of The weird. Mother that's yeah. had an age gap because they moment. don't
2: really explain it either, do they? They don't really like. Does her sister sort of like out her at dinner or something and say yeah. like this is what she does she you know she loves a younger man or whatever I can't remember if that's ever yeah. happens but it kind of just happens and everyone's just sort of cool with it which well I mean it happens in the other way around
1: all the time in films yeah, you know,
2: yeah. no cool absolutely it, but, uh, yeah but, but you'd think like if you were maybe like Julie Walters who plays his mum might be a bit like oh right that's your girlfriend is it yeah. all right Julie Waters it, just
0: it. Not, okay. does not care, does she? she's, no, just like, she's yes, well like board with it. Maybe she's it's that whole Hollywood it. thing, because she's this glamorous Hollywood actress. Yeah. They're kind of blindsided by that. And the only reference that really comes is where Jamie Bell's character occasionally makes a joke or something, yeah. and then Annette Benning's character takes it the wrong way and gets in a huff, and that's about as, as far as it's
2: investigated. It's quite an interesting look, though, at the sort of... Um I guess like at the ageing process or or like the value that people place on women especially like you know in, in Hollywood or whatever because she's obviously at one point super super famous Hollywood actress and then obviously by the time she meets Jamie Bell her stock has fallen considerably mm-hmm. as she's gotten older so I guess that's interesting but I mean it's not like a particularly revelationary tale you know. And the only I is think the word w- Revelationary?
1: revelatory, maybe. maybe revelatory. I was just thinking. Yeah. Sorry, I just drifted off and was thinking if I was going to have an affair with a much younger man, I might go for Jamie Bell as well. Oh, he's
0: beautiful. So. Can't I? I you know. don't get it. No, no, I know. I, I, that's the one thing. When I was watching it, I was thinking well, Jamie Bell's lovely, isn't he? Yeah, he yeah. is. <laughs> he is
2: lovely in this film. To be fair, and, and uh, he's very good in it. I thought it was a yeah. really like strong performance, but.
0: Yeah, he is, and if anything, it has made me want to actually read about Gloria Graham, the actress that it's about. And shut up. Is this and, a true story? It's a true story. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a true story. So
2: the clip they play when she's getting the Oscar, yeah, is actually for That's real. real. Yeah, you've blown my mind. You <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that. Thank God you were didn't here. You're even <laughs> <rough. Yeah. laughs> <laughs> go and look her up, yeah. yeah. Well, that's
0: the thing because I'm now like, Oh, I really want to know more about her. And, and
1: that is my favorite thing. We were talking about this when, when I was doing my TV reviews. That's my favorite thing about something that you come out and you want to Google something. Hmm. I've no interest in things that don't make me want to Google stuff afterwards,
0: exactly. And, I- and that does. Oh, I feel a bit bad for saying
2: she's not likeable now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's a um, real person. it would be interesting to know if that's how she was
2: in the relationship in real
0: life. Because I think that Jamie Bell's character, I think his name's Peter, has actually been doing a lot of the promotion for the film and has Mm. been touring with them and doing the Q&As and all sorts. So, um, yeah, it might be worth looking it up. Yeah. There's a revelation. There yeah.
1: you go. One of the, my favourite films of the year. I would now. I would normally say it was my favourite film of the year, but there's something else I like more. Was based on true story, which was Loving. Have you seen that? I yes. haven't seen that. Yes. Uh, Loving is it's, it's on. based on the real life court case of um, a couple who were accused of miscegenation, which is a repulsive word. Mm-hmm. Which is that under Jim Crow laws, you weren't blacks and whites weren't allowed to marry. Mm. And it's about um, the problems they face and then the court case that led to them. And it's absolutely amazing because it is the least dramatic thing I've, I think I've ever seen. It has no melodrama. It has no thumping tables. It's just the most low-key thing ever. And it's absolutely beautiful. Joel Edgerton is amazing. Ruth Negger is amazing. That's it's brilliant. really, really good. If it wasn't for the fact that I absolutely fucking loved... War for the Planet of the Apes that I would have said loving was my <laughs> there will be no laughing about War for the Planet of no, the Apes I'm so, it is sorry. amazing I've not even
0: seen it I'm, I apologise it is
1: absolutely amazing partly I think that my tastes in films have changed somewhat now television has got really good mm. I think you don't need to get you can get little indie dramas on the TV mm. right so if you going to the cinema you might as well see something that's pushing some boundaries and big and it's absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm a fan of the franchise anyway because it's not really about apes, is it? It's about philosophy. It's about mankind. So I'm a fan of that format. It's got Woody Harrelson in it, so I'm onto a winner. Yep. Uh, the two before it were really good, but this one is. If you're going to spend thousands, or like thousands, I say thousands, probably millions of pounds on special effects, I don't want to see superheroes blowing shit up. I want to see what would happen to monkeys in a dystopian society. (laughs) Why not, mate? And that's honestly, the fact that they have made humans appear to be monkeys and then those monkeys appear to be humans is like the gift that just keeps on giving. It's incredible that they have basically sign language throughout. There's very little dialogue. It's almost entirely done in sign language one of the few human characters in it is actually mute, so she has to join in with the sign language. It's really moving. It's really pioneering. Honestly, watch it.
2: Fucking I think
0: fantastic! I will now I feel bad that I, I didn't even. I didn't yeah. even. It wasn't on my radar at all. I don't even remember when it came out. I don't. Know. It was in it's the summer. Recent,
1: was, isn't it? It was in the summer. I feel like I've seen posters for it recently. I don't mm. know why. It's not what you would assume it to be. And I don't know what it is that you assume it to be when you see a picture of a monkey on a horse. I mean, it's a combination between a Western and Apocalypse Now Mm -hmm. with monkeys. I mean, that's like, you can't go
2: wrong with that. I think Moonlight is probably, I mean, it's up there, isn't it? In terms of like things anyone's actually seen this year. But I will say, I saw a film at the London Film Festival because basically I was kind of like, I'm gonna just go and see like as many films that were made by women or had like yeah. strong mm-hmm. female roles in them or whatever as possible, for the purposes of wanging on about them on this podcast. And I saw one, and I can't tell you who directed it or who starred in it because it's like some random Polish film, but it's called The Birds Are Singing in Kigali, which is basically about like the Rwandan genocide. And it is fucking incredible. It's like really, really, really just like. Is it a drama or is it a documentary? It's a drama, yeah. But the performances in it. It's about this woman who works as a researcher and she's in Rwanda doing some research on some sort of vulture or bird or or whatever. Uh, She's like a professor or something at a university. And she's working with this dude who's like sort of. uh, who's from Rwanda. And. it all kicks off and she goes back to Poland and then for whatever reason, well, because like her whole family have died, basically, the daughter of the guy that she's doing the research with ends up coming back to Poland with her because all of her family have died and then it's all just about... about them both like coming to terms with like the horrors that they've seen and then trying to find her family afterwards and performances in it are incredible and it's like beautifully, beautifully shot I mean it's harrowing as fuck as you would imagine Remind us what it's called Jen It's called The Birds Are Singing in Kigali Okay. Okay Well we're on that and on that cheery note yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, can, can I just mention two more films you can, super certainly. super quickly because I forgot them and I feel really terrible um, um, Detroit Catherine Bigelow which came out in the summer I remember oh, yes, it was so one like of my summer lot. films of the year it was it was really really good and please give Will Poulter an Oscar because he is absolutely phenomenal and secondly um, for just my surprise of the year Thor Ragnarok because I had the best time watching that in the cinema that's everything
1: <laughs> perfect and next year is all about three billboards outside Ebbing Missouri I'm thinking
0: yeah can't wait
1: for that one. Excellent. Thanks so much for being for coming in today, Yosra.
0: Thanks for having me. Yay! Yay! Standard issue for all women.